0: I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning
1: in circles and talking to myself.
0: Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents, and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. We are going to have so much fun today. I'm so excited. It's a really intimate, uh, best friend kind of show, so stay with me and listen to us jibber-jabber and get some jewels along the way. Um, I just want to remind you that This show is all about following the evidence that we see in front of us and finding a way to use that in a useful fashion in our own homes and in our own lives. I do go and get big guests and celebrity guests and and therapist guests, but what I really want, if if I'm giving you any kind of a gift, what I really want to do is empower you to be the parent you are meant to be, to see the child the second a problem shows up and, and intervene before you have to make any phone calls if that's possible. So that's what today's show is about. Today's show is about having no story to tell. And I'm calling it that, not because these people that we're going to talk to have no story to tell, but because they did something that erased the story that could have been. It's an, it's an important thing to think about. It really is. Because I believe that many, many, many children... Have been saved by their parents over and over and over again. And their teachers and their different people in their lives who came along and went, Wait a minute, I see an issue. Let's respond to that. Because that's what we are. We're raising children, we're there to respond and to teach. It's not really different. What is different is this toxic world we live in has made some changes along the way. It's not just toxic in the sense of chemicals. Um, it's toxic in the sense that the the things that we introduce to give attention to, to focus on, change our brain. And we've got TV and video games and 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 ads and billboards and radio pop and stuff. And people have figured out how to put binaural beats and things and and sub you know subliminal advertising. And it's really, really, really not the place we were evolved to be in. And so our little children are being shaped and reshaped. And uh, it's getting away from us a little bit. So let's get real. Let's put our feet on the ground, and let's say, okay, look at your own children, never mind everyone else's. (sighs) What can you do, wherever they're at now, to make that story better? And that's what today's show is about, and that's today's question. And the answer I'm going to tell you right away is, you don't even have to wait to the end of the show for the answer. I'm just going to tell you now. The answer is intervene with love, with intention, with playfulness, because the mind grows where focus goes. You are so lucky because we are going to talk to Kelly Dawson. Now, what makes Kelly Dawson so cool is she's my friend, and the friend of the, the, well, that's what makes you cool, and um, the reason that she's my friend is because she was my daughter's friend, and I sort of went, wow, you have a really cool friend, I think you should share, so (laughs) literally, um, Kelly's age kind of lands between the two of us, and and, uh, she's honestly a little bit more my daughter's friend, but I like borrowing her from time to time. In fact, when I to give you some background, background to why we're talking to Kelly right now is because when I first moved from Massachusetts to California, I need, I decided that's it. I've always wanted to live in California. I have an opportunity to work in a brain rehab clinic. I'm doing this new awesome thing with neural feedback. I'm already trained in play with with autism. I've got my family that's gotten better. I've got all these different things going on. It's time to go to California and really live the dream, right? And bring all my different sides of me together and be someplace where you can be a performer and a, and a brain therapist and have a one-woman show and a <laughs> podcast and write books and be everything. So it's a great idea, except I have no money and I need somewhere to live and I'm going to get paid like 50 bucks a day So uh, if I'm lucky and get a client. So um, the brain rehab clinic was closing. He was going to reopen it and it's like if you can draw people in, but I have no money. So it was one of those. So I talked to Kelly, and she said, what did you say, Kelly?
1: Come on.
0: Come stay with me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I have was plenty really lucky. of room. Yeah, I was really lucky. And what was neat about it was, you know, when I got there, she had a couple of little kids, and she's her husband was traveling a lot. And so, you know, the idea of us all living together was um, lovely. Uh, however, her husband did come back sometimes, and I didn't think he liked me all that much. So I don't know. <laughs> we're going to ask her if that's true. But anyway, it didn't feel quite as comfortable when he came around. So <laughs> so what I did was I looked at her balcony, and I thought, you know, I could live on that balcony. So I moved all my stuff out onto her balcony. Thank goodness it was California. The weather was gorgeous. And that's how we did it for several months, right?
1: Yes. I, I want to say it was like half a year, but... I couldn't believe you stayed out there on the balcony, but I could understand getting away from him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and and trying to give you guys the space and stuff. Yeah, I think it was close to half a year. Um, eventually, Dar did come, and uh, I sent for him, and we and I got an apartment. And in all honesty, I couldn't have done it if you had been charging me rent. So for everyone to know, she's a generous spirit. I mean, I tried to contribute with groceries and stuff like that, but I essentially was living um, rent-free so that I could accumulate enough money to begin this uh, new journey without my family, who I was supporting over in Texas. Really falling apart. So, um, so now you know who you're talking, who you're listening to. You're listening to somebody with a a very supportive side, super creative too. She does all these really amazing parties that are all themed and gorgeous and, and we just really enjoy you, Kelly. Um, so, but there has to be a reason why I've got you on the podcast, right? (laughs) Since it's about autism, they're probably thinking, okay, well, yes, girls, we, we know you like each other. Um, So I wanted I wanted today's theme to be no story to tell. Let me explain that. I think it's it's that thing of you know um, when somebody who says I have a bad feeling, don't go on the highway, and so you go okay I trust you if you have a bad feeling I'm not going to go on the highway today so you don't go on the highway, you don't drive that way that day and of course you get home fine everything's fine and you never know you never ever know if I'd have gone on the highway would something have happened. So that's what I want the show to be about, about the times when you listen to somebody, and that's where Kelly comes in. So I'm living on her balcony, and I'm observing some stuff with her daughter. And so now I'm going to let Kelly start talking. But i got to tell you, it's all about no story to tell. So she might run out of stuff, and I might have to flush it out.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: so do you, what, do you remember what I'm talking about?
1: Yes, I, I do. Uh, at the time, Dawson had to have been three or four, and when you're getting ready for work in the morning and, and you're, you're doing all of these things and trying to get kids ready for daycare and get your stuff ready, and a lot of the times I would sit Dawson, especially, in front of the TV while I was taking care of things that I had to do. And I thought, you know, if it was public access or one of those brain videos that that was okay and it was sort of an electronic babysitter for her for a while Um, and at the same time I was having problems with tantrums with her Um, severe tantrums that would last and she'd cry and throw herself on the ground and I was at my wit's end and had no idea what to how to make this go away. Um, And I think that's when you came in and made a suggestion that maybe I needed to turn off the TV.
0: Right. And I'm going to flesh that out a little because... um, So I I was watching that, and I remember when I first met Dawson, the very first time I ever met her was, you know, a year or two before... And I sort of, oh, it's your baby. You had your baby, and you sort of handed her to me, and she was like the wiggliest thing, you know. <laughs> she's just like, it's still moving in the air, and you kind of had to hold her while she's jumping and moving and jiggling. And um, one of those babies that didn't just, at least when I held her and what I observed that day, she didn't just sort of meld into you. Uh, and become sort of a part of the adult body and snuggle in, she was as if she was waiting to be three and be able to run away. (laughs) So she was really, really active. Does that sound like her as a baby? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'd already kind of seen that. And then when when I moved in um, with the tantrums and the TV, I I remember saying, is it okay if I help you because this is what I do? And you were awesome. And I, I said, it's, The thing with the TV is that there's this low wave that's encouraged in the brain. It's called a theta wave, and when you watch a lot of TV, it encourages the brain to be bathed in this um, and and build more and give more and do more of that particular wave, and so it sets you out of balance. You can't focus. You can't think, and a good old temper tantrum will brighten you up, but... um, you know, then you go back to the TV to calm down with the theta, and and I try. I just explained it a little bit, but the beautiful thing for me was we talked just a little, and I said, so, you know, if she just, you just need to do active things with her, interactive things, because she's really this kid who doesn't have to have a problem, but will. And the very next day, do you remember the next day? Because I came back from work the next day, and I was so happy. <laughs> Do you remember this? Uh, Vaguely. You were downstairs in the grass, outside in the grass with her, and it was the time when it would have been, oh, I just got home from work, I you know, (laughs) sit her in front of the TV. (laughs) But you didn't, like, if everyone I worked with would listen this well, not only did you not do that, you just didn't do that anymore. It didn't mean she couldn't watch TV, but you just were different. I've never seen anyone take advice like that.
1: (laughs) So did you notice a change? I I did. And I think, you know, there are times I have not heeded others' advice. (laughs) Um, But I think I trusted you so much and saw so much that you've done with others that, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. And I, I noticed her behavior changed very quickly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it was really cool. So how is she now?
1: Um, She's engaging and fun and social, creative. Um, She's doing violin and music now and still continues to do drawings, and um, she's just a, she's a happy child. And, you know, she'll have a few days, but nothing like you fear where you you don't know how to deal with a a tantrum or a bad day. She's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I agree. She's really amazing, actually, and really beautiful. So do you think that you changed history? Have you ever thought about that? This is a really tough one. Like I said with the example at the beginning, you know, if you don't go on the highway that day and then everything's fine, there's no way to know. Do you ever think about that?
1: Um, actually, I have. And <laughs> she... I wonder if I hadn't done that. And then, of course, now, you know, I continue to monitor, you know, how much TV she's watching just because I feel like if it did that to her then, it's going to keep doing that to her um, and to keep limits on it. Um, But I think that she would be... um, a lot more reclusive and and quiet. If I hadn't if I hadn't taken your advice back then.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I I kind of think so too. I mean, it's a it's a question that you never can answer. But um, isn't it great not to have yes. a story to tell? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, let's just hope it continues through her teen years. <laughs> oh well, if it doesn't, just give me a call. Come up with something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I'm, I will most definitely take you up on that.
0: Okay. So outside of the TV, what give us one learning that that whole? Because so once you weren't having her, you know, just be in front of the TV. Um, you were interacting with her a lot more. You were playing more games with her. It was just different. So what did you learn? What was one learning outside of? don't put her in front of the TV so much.
1: You have to be the one that keeps their attention. Um, I I think that's most important. Um, That's the most important thing that I learned. Um, I'm not just a parent. Um, I'm there to keep her engaged in learning. And I can't do that if she's sitting in front of a TV. I I need to play with her, talk to her. (laughs) Yay! What a concept!
0: (laughs) It is kind of strange. It's a, it's (laughs) a strange concept, Kelly. I mean, thinking about it, when we were kids, or maybe not so much you, but when I was a kid, your parents kind of didn't ever play with you because you played with your friends and you had all this freedom and you just sort of, you know,
1: could go you everywhere. You ride for eight hours and then you came home, you know, yeah. Exactly. And- so you were interacting, though. The problem now is we can't give that
0: kind of freedom to our kids. We've got TV that's readily available and all these games and things. So it's really easy to leave your child thinking that it's the same as when you grew up and it's not. Right. Nice.
1: Yeah, our new favorite thing to do together is dominoes. We have lots of fun playing dominoes.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay, everybody, dominoes. Yep, the cure cure for childhood angst. I want you to go play dominoes with your kids. No, (laughs) seriously. um, (laughs) Kelly, your answers were awesome. Um, Do you have anything that you want to say before we say goodbye?
1: I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. If I, if I never said it before, thank you.
0: You're welcome. And, and thank you back to you. I had a place to stay in my whole family. got this whole transplant, so it was a mutual give and take. And you're very <laughs> welcome. That was Kelly Dawson, and you're listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today we're doing it a little different. We're going between two guests, but nobody's giving anything away, so I don't get to say, okay, 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 it's a great Mm. guest giveaway. Oh, look, I just did. Okay, and make sure you stay to the very end of the show when we will do
1: Mm. Stories from the Road.
0: And now for the treat upon treat upon treat. I am going to introduce you to my daughter. Um, all my children are so marvelous that every time I have one of them on the show, I get really excited. So this will be fun. Besides, we know each other. Maybe we'll finish each other's sentences, and you'll be sitting at home decoding. You know, what did they say? What did they say? It must have been good. Um, so as you're maybe noticing by now, I'm talking to people that I know intimately well, and that's because this is about no story to tell, and I cannot do it any other way. And here's why. If you do something to help your child or your loved one or yourself, and it works, you cannot know most of the time. Sometimes you can. Um, but usually it's one of those things where you go, well, I, I, I have a, you know, nobody's sick. I, I guess it worked. Or maybe there was nothing wrong in the first place. And that that little gray area is where the trouble lies and why so many children get the let's wait and see reaction from doctors. And unfortunately the only way to know for sure that you had a problem is to let the problem evolve. So we're gonna try looking at it from another vantage point and see if we can do a little paradigm shifting. So thank you for being here, Brandessa. I really appreciate it. She's a busy girl, so we're lucky to have her. <laughs> You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Oh, good, good. Besides, you know, I am your mom, and there is a certain amount of... I kind
1: of have to do what I'm told, yes.
0: <laughs> I wish that were true. I do not recall that ever being true. <laughs> this one was feisty, independent, always had her own path, and did it really well, um, well with the exception of those teenagers. We won't go there. So, uh, <laughs> honey, um, when so tell them about your kids, how many kids you have, and uh, we're just going to Focus on this one time when we saw some a shift in your in your twins, so just give them
1: a sense of you okay, I have four kids um, they're all girls. my older girls are eleven and thirteen, and my little ones are four year old twins and um, my older girls i uh, was a little bit more i guess traditional in my approach. they were fully vaccinated, although they were on an alternate schedule they were Fully vaccinated, and I think I did see reactions in them at times, but I, um, I was of a completely different mindset, and I don't think I really, uh, made the connections until later. But, um, my twins, I did not vaccinate for the first year, and then, um, after they turned one, I was going to do selective vaccines, and I was going to do it, um, very slowly. And so after they turned one, I uh, I had my first, I gave them their first round of vaccines. And actually, that's not true. They had had one round prior to that. Um, so it was actually their second round of vaccines. And, um, and just a minute, these are preservative-free mm-hmm. as well, right? No. Um, the MMR, we could get preservative-free. We could not get the DTAP. Um Okay it it my my doctor the my doctor told me that it virtually didn't exist also i wanted to have it separated out um and not a combo and she said that that virtually didn't exist either so at the time that was the information that i had okay. um, and so they got one and it, that was it it was the decap, and which is funny because they were one and out of the woods for protective but anyway <laughs> so uh, which is why I wanted it separated out, but anyway, so they um, they got that, and they both had a pretty immediate bad reaction, not super bad, but like a lot of crying, fever, discomfort um, for about two days and then um, Taara seemed to bounce back fine. Malaya never did she she was like really she was like a different kid, um, she was really withdrawn she and you know it's funny because the one who noticed it the most was, um, Tim was, uh, my husband, her dad. he was, he was, I think I'd been talking about the vaccine issue, um, a lot and, you know, gone back and forth with it. He'd never seen anything before related to vaccines. So for him, that was really, um, really huge. She was, she was very withdrawn, very grouchy, um, you know, it, a lot of the stuff that you hear, mostly the withdrawn, she kept doing repetitive behaviors and stuff like that. I don't even think, Mom, that you were around at that time right after. Well, what I
0: noticed wasn't,
1: for me, I didn't know that it correlated with the
0: vaccine, so I just noticed that she was all those things and almost scared. Um, yeah, she
1: was. Yeah. She was, very and very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I basically, I called you, I asked you, I said I wanted to do neurofeedback on them. And then also at the same time, I did like a slow detox. I wanted to detox them, but I didn't want to do it um, to where it was uncomfortable. So we were basically doing baking soda baths, and um, I was giving them um, activated charcoal and zeolite. And so anyway, we were doing that just kind of slowly. And then with Malaya, I was kind of going to playroom sort of technique. You know, I was just playing with her a lot and engaging her and doing that. And then at the same time, I was waiting for you to come. And then you came down and looked at them and you gave me protocols for both of them. But you noticed Chisara. I hadn't. Malaya's reaction was kind of, was immediate and obvious. Chisara was always feisty. So, and still is. (laughs) And so I didn't really put it together that she had also started toe-walking, turning her head and spitting and acting a little caretzy. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Once you, and actually, you gave her neurofeedback and it ended up being a little too high and it actually exacerbated her mm-hmm. um, symptoms and made them obvious to me. And then, um, and then we talked about it and then it became more obvious. And then, of course, you righted her and um and gave me a protocol for her that we did after that a few times now what's interesting though to me is that you know i've done neural feedback on myself for years a lot i've done a lot of neural feedback on myself you've done a lot of neural feedback on me um you know it's made profound changes in my life but much much slower (laughs) lots of neural feedback same with darian and today i've done lots of neural feedback on them um and it's made changes for them and and it and you know the initial reaction is actually pretty quick it makes it makes good changes quickly but it takes a long time um sort of to or in our experience it's taken a longer time a lot more neural feedback to get it to where sort of the brain takes over and does it itself and um with the babies with the twins it was we barely had to do any
0: yeah. it was
1: like We did some neurofeedback with Malaya. Malaya was different. It was like, it was a slower course anyway. And, you know, she's one of those cases where you never really get them back because you can't, you can't really tell, um, because they're growing and getting older and changing anyway. Right. Um, so we got a new Malaya and she's perfect. Um, and, but to Sara, we pretty much just stopped it in its tracks. Um, between the neurofeedback and I guess I was also detoxing them at the same time um they really uh you know within a few months I wouldn't I would say I never saw anything like that on her again not to that degree every once in a while it would come back a little bit um and I and I would do a session but it would literally be like a 5 minute session and and that was pretty much it like it was it was really quick it was really not a lot of work it was um, and it was pretty profound. Um, and, uh, and then there's really nothing to say after that, I guess, because we did it so quickly and, mm-hmm. um, effectively. And you end up with no story to tell pretty much. <laughs> it makes <laughs> this a quick call, doesn't it? <laughs> but so, and you, you know, need still kids, they still go in and out of their phases and stuff like that, but there, um, but it's, you know, you have an experience like that and it actually does give you a reference for what's normal and what's not, you know, what to take seriously and what not to take seriously. And that was one of those times where it's like, okay, we need to sit down and take this seriously um, and deal with it right now. And we did. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, it kind of ended it there. And I will say, of course, we also have never given them a vaccine since. Right.
0: Right. And that's the thing for me, actually, it was a seller, um, because, you know, I see lots and lots and lots of video of kids before they had a decline and, or a change, um, and usually vaccine related, but not always. And, um, and it's it's really easy to watch somebody else's video and say, you know, yeah, but I can see their eyes going over there this way, or look, he's sitting too rigid, or you know what I mean? Like, make something up to associate with the state they're in when I meet them, which is, you know, strongly autistic. And, um, and seeing it in the grandkids, so immediate and so completely different from who they were before, nobody could yeah. say that to me.
1: Right. Yeah, and that's the thing, that makes the conversation difficult to have with other people. It's very personal. It's your whole experience of your child. And it makes it, you know, it is, it is so clear. You, there's no words you can say to me <laughs> that are gonna undo what I know. I was right. there and I know my, my, my girls and I, you know, and I know what that experience was. Um, but it's true when you talk to other people, you know, it is, they they don't, they can say, well, wasn't she always kind of the shy one? Well, wasn't, you know, exactly. and whether or not that's true, it doesn't even matter. <laughs>
0: it's no, it doesn't wouldn't. matter at all, because I, I can even make that same case for them, too. I can say when they were, you know, when they were little, there were some sensory things, stuff like that. We can, because that's the point. In early intervention works and it works yeah. because brains are shaping and babies do come out half made
1: and, and yeah, that's what that's you true. know that's yeah.
0: the way it's supposed to be yeah well
1: and i do think that that's part of the story with the vaccines is that they they are they are still developing they are not done yet and they are and they do have some kids are more i don't know whether it's a genetic predisposition or whatever it is but some kids do have you know, some more sensory issues, some more, you know, uh, developmental issues or what have you, so, so that the vaccine reaction isn't going to be the same in each child. Exactly. And so just because your child didn't react that way doesn't mean that my child didn't react that way. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. So we can't hand neurofeedback to the people listening unless they have it themselves or have access, which then I suggest you use it if you're seeing, seeing anything. Um, but what we can do is hand them a couple of, uh, sort of immediate responder type things. Things that you do instinctively and mm-hmm. don't even probably know it. So, um, you know, there are different tools that are always available to you. Dessa's already talked about, Brendessa, sorry. Brendessa's already, t- I, I named her, you'd think I'd use the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> She's already talked to you about, you know, caring and taking control with vaccines, and, and that would include anything that can bring a toxin into your child's body, like diet. And, and uh, she talked to you about, you know, using activated charcoal and different things to help cleanse the body. So that means, as a parent, we do have the ability to intervene just by researching um, and you're a great researcher, so we could talk a long time on that, but we don't have that much time. What I do want is to give this thing, because most people understand that concept. Yes. What I do want is to give the true intervening that parents have done since they started having babies, which is the minute you see a behavior, you respond to it. So yes. the the very beginning point, or somewhere in the story, if you can take your mind back, um, Let's say you see, let's use Tessara, because it was, it, the reason Tassara is clearer for me is because it was a clearly Tourette's kind of twist in the head, up on the mm-hmm. toes and spitting without it being, um, geez, I'm mad at you, I want to spit. It was just like, whoop, up on my toes, twist my head, spit. So that was very much a from the inside of our physiology thing happened. A lot of parents would go, well, there's nothing I can do that's happening from the inside. So how did you respond?
1: Well... I think one point to be made first is that, um, as the experience for you, it's probably clearer than it is going to be always necessarily for the parent. You're lucky if it's that clear. Um, so, you know, noticing something and responding is really clear. I think for me anyway, in hindsight, um, at the time, it's more like for me, it's more like I just find myself, um, responding, and I don't even know what I'm responding to. So to be more clear on that, with Tisara, um, it was more a case of, you know, it's what I always try, will try to always do with my kids and be completely um, listening, opening, and paying attention. And so when I'm seeing something over and over and over again, any kind of behavior, I, my my intuition is to drop everything and engage. And that's what I did with both of them. So, you know, I put everything else kind of on the back burner and really tried to engage with them so that I could get inside and figure out how they were feeling and where, you know, things were coming from. Because if I wasn't going to have neurofeedback, if that wasn't going to be something that I had, this would be my primary tool. And I think that it worked. Um, I think it would have taken longer. (laughs) Because it is feedback. It is. It is. And what happens is, is they, you know, I start engaging, and then we can start to shape things together. So if, as soon as I'm not looking at her, you know, only just picking out her problems and, um, and sort of, you know, saying, okay, well, she's turning her head and she's fitting, how do we stop that? It's more a sense of, okay, I need to sit down and figure out what is this feeling like for her. And, um, you know, we – I don't even actually, to be honest, remember the specific games that we played – um, like I said, it didn't become anything, so I kind of don't have to remember. Um, okay. So I want to describe it because I want to okay. do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the
0: reason I want to do that is because people are hearing, um, you know, your subjective thinking. I want them to know exactly that there's actually winnable techniques out there, and the people that are in the right mindset just naturally use them, and that's why you're going, well, you know, okay, so engaging is correct. When you engage somebody, then you take their brain and get it focused on you. When a brain refocuses, new neuronal pathways are born. So, in fact, it's a true therapy to say, let's engage you. Let's your brain's going in over to the right here. Let's take it to the left. Let's bring it to your frontal lobes. Let's get you having fun. Let's get you whatever it is. Every time you engage with your child, you're creating brain development, and that includes if you're um, being mad at them, if you're screaming at them, if you're ignoring them. The lack of engaging, you're creating brain development. So, what I saw you do was in a very calm way, go hmm. She's spitting again. Mom, she's spitting again. And I went, hmm, I see. You. And then you very calmly walked over and said, Oh, to Sarah, actually, I would prefer you clean that up. Did you see you spit? <laughs> And from there, you had her attention, and you were cleaning up, and you were discussing, and the next thing I know, it turned into play. And that's exactly what I teach. So I don't know if I taught it to you or if you just knew it, but it's so perfect, I can't
1: tell you. You did not. Maybe I taught it to you. No, I'm sorry. You probably did. <laughs> <laughs> i <I'm just kidding. laughs> Because I didn't you even know I was did. doing it. No, I'm sure you,
0: yes, that's just what you did to talk. but isn't it logical you didn't give the big attention and response to the spitting itself but you did respond and then you took the energy and you engaged and you put it somewhere else and her brain then goes where the focus is so there you have it that's healing there you go look how awesome I am you are awesome (laughs) and we just taught everyone what early intervention really looks like
1: yeah, I agree. I think that is what it looks like. Okay. And you know what? Everybody will do their own research and come up with their own answers. Um, and they'll be right, you know, because they're doing it. And so that means that they are engaged. Right, right. And so then all you have to do
0: is ask yourself, am I looking for answers that let me out of the story so that I don't have to uh, try to intervene? Or am I looking for answers that help me to intervene? Because the truth is
1: That's a the good parents, point, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because as parents were supposed to intervene. Well we I think there's
1: it. a yeah, I think there's a big difference between looking for answers, period, and looking for excuses. Or yeah. you know what I'm saying?
0: Yes I do. Thank you for saying that <laughs> instead of me. <laughs> I looked for a few excuses along the way, but in the end, it's answers <laughs> that really empower you. All right, honey, um, I got to move to stories on the road. Thank you, thank you, thank you, boy. I love there you. Stories. Have a fantastic stories on the road. <laughs> okay, I will.
1: Bye, I'll honey. Talk you later.
0: Bye. And now you've heard from my very intelligent and very gifted daughter, who has managed to intervene successfully and now has no story to tell. And in that vein, we're going to go to stories from the
1: road
0: with one more no story to tell. So I have this uh, friend slash client, a uh, long time uh, friend actually, and um, she has a very low functioning daughter. And you know, when I met her, we did a lot of work and helped her a lot. and uh, but she's one of those trotters through life that is just really challenged. And she's gained and she's learned. But much like my one son, Dar, she's just sort of doing it at her own pace. And so this particular friend ended up getting pregnant uh, on purpose, uh, wanting more kids. Uh, and uh, when her next daughter was born, which was many years after the first, um, the doctors perhaps had a eye on her in a new way because of the the history of the other girl. Or the mother perhaps brought the doctor's eye onto the new baby because of the history of the other girl. Or the doctor perhaps was simply someone who looked for this particular issue and had found it before and so now had his eye on that issue Or the doctor, perhaps, was just a fantastic doctor and always caught everything. I don't know. But what I do know is that this little baby, the second little baby, was extremely lucky because there is a disorder of the thyroid that if you don't catch it in the first six weeks of birth, and usually once the child leaves the hospital, there's no catching it because there's no testing being done. So really, essentially, if you don't catch it when they're born, Uh, you don't catch it until it's done its damage. And it causes extreme retardation and all kinds of problems um, in the body and the brain. And, and, um, you know, and of course everybody looks over to the other daughter when, when the baby is discovered to have this issue because the other daughter has weight issues and, you know, different things. The point is that within the first week of life, this little girl, was blessed by a discovery that changed the course of her story. Now, in medicine, when you can do a lab test and you can see a result and you can put a pointer there and say, here's what's wrong and here's how you correct it, you don't end up wondering the rest of your life if you did the right thing or if there was even an issue or if you made it all up. You can always go back to those lab tests. Plus, I mean, her thyroid medicine is now for life. You can go back to those tests or you can check on them again and you can say, no, she really does have an issue. You can make it up. You can, make, you can do some crazy making if you want. You can say, well, wait a minute. Maybe she didn't have an issue. Maybe it was a, a faulty lab test, and, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and now that we're giving her thyroid medicine because that makes it so that the thyroid doesn't work on its own, now she has a problem that she never had before, and there are people who will do that. But that's not really um, useful right now. What is useful is to say when a doctor discovers it, with a lab test, and gets medicine, and then you see this bright, brilliant, by the way, brilliant, adapted, conversational, beautiful girl. You um, evolve, and, and she's now you know in school. You get to say, wow, early intervention in the course of this child's life gave this story instead of that story. And it is possible that her other daughter's problem stemmed from a similar issue. I don't really know. What I can tell you is that we need to proceed with the same certainty that you gain from a lab test when we see an issue in our child. Sometimes there is no lab test to do. And the observer of the problem isn 't the lab technician or the doctor with the degree it 's the parent who goes, "Oh my gosh, my child went from comfortable in the world to withdrawn and afraid, or now she 's turning her head and spitting and ironically the the girls that we were talking to were twin or the you know breessa 's daughters were twins and so their DNA, they're identical twins. Their DNA should be the same, and yet, and, and their their vaccines came from the same batch. So you would think the same problem would happen, right? But no, a different problem. We use to stay in the gray area are the things that make it so that we end up with a real problem that we can then say, ah, the problem started back then. So those of you who are my new parents that have new children, that they're brand new little guys, as you move forward, whether it's from the chemicals in your carpet or the or the, you know coincidental vaccination issue, or uh, whether it's from a trauma that happens because you know they were with you when there was a car accident, or whether there's all kinds of ways to reshape the brain. Grab a hold of their attention, love the heck out of them, and please. Reconsider the idea that early intervention means sitting them at a chair and taking away their childhood. All right? I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. This is a new spin on autism answers. And don't forget, I'm also known as the brain broad. Thank you for being here. Otherwise, I'd just be talking to myself and my kids. <laughs> All right. till next time. Stay tuned. myself I can't hear